0: Well, let's get to the word, the real um, spiritual food that we need to um, be nourished as a Christian. Um, I will begin by telling you that I was a basketball player. I mentioned that already, that I love basketball. And uh, over the years, I was fortunate to play in some pretty big games. I remember in high school playing in the district championship game. That was extremely exciting. I'll never forget the times that uh, we played our rival in college and uh, the stands were filled um, and uh, it's just really the hype of that is is, is exciting um, when you play your rival. But I would have to say the most emotional I think I've ever been for a game before, the most excited I ever was, happened in 2008 when I was a coach, assistant coach for a girls varsity team that uh, was playing in the state championship game. And I remember distinctly meeting in the, in, our, in the room before the game. And, um, you know, everybody was so nervous and we were all so emotional. And, and I just remember saying to them, I remember my words exactly, I was just, I just simply said, thank you, thank you. Because I've been playing basketball my whole life, I've been coaching, and I've always wanted to be in a championship game of this caliber. I always wanted to get this far. And we're here, and I know the ups and downs that we've had to endure. Uh, One of our our girls, like, tore her ACL in the quarterfinals, and we just had so many obstacles that we had to overcome to get to that point. And I was just so excited, so thankful, and I just said, you know what, I just love you girls. I love how much work that you put into this season, and this is just wonderful. And yes, we were all crying, you know, it was... Uh, just an awesome experience, and the good news is we ended up winning the game and won the state championship, so that was great. Um, but uh, in fact, what was really neat is just this past week I saw one of those girls, the girl that did tear, uh, tear ACL. I saw her at the gym. She's got four little girl or four little kids, and uh, now she'll be teaching them basketball because it comes full circle when you play and then you have kids, and um, just like I am doing as well for my son. I share all that because game time is like my favorite time. When you get to that point of game time, it's go time. I mean, it is putting into action all that you have prepared for. All that stuff, all that practice, all that work you put in, you are ready to go. It's go time. It's game time. And as Christians, we should all be experiencing go time. Step five in our next step series here is go time. We, we get information, we have application, and then we have transformation. And if you've been here, you know what I'm talking about, the five steps that I'd like everyone to kind of walk through and in terms of what's your next step with God. And if you saw our sign on outside, you know, we're here to help you take your next step with God. And what does that look like? Well, step uh, the five steps, uh, we have kind of a logo for that because it's in a form of a circle because when you go through the steps, then you help others go through the steps as well. And the five steps uh, begins with step one, starting point. That's the gospel. It's what I talked about. It's where it all begins. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and God gives you his Holy Spirit and the Word of God to run the race and fight the good fight. We had our first class yesterday. It was excellent. Got to talk about the gospel in that class. Step two is God's church. I preached on this a while back. You're a member of God's family. He calls the church the family of God. He calls it uh, the bride of Jesus. The church is also called the body of Christ. God calls us to belong to a local church. If you're not connected to a local church, you should be. That's God's plan for you. Step three, growing up. As you renew your mind in God's Word, He transforms you into the image of His Son. We're always under construction, just like Michigan roads. We're always striving to be holy as He is holy. Then the fourth step was spiritual gifts. Last week, God gives us all a gift, supernatural gift, to help build up His church. Because just like the parts of our body, we need all of them. We need every single body part in the church. We need the body of Christ, because when you use your gift to serve, you build up the whole church, and we're all encouraged by that. So when you start with the gospel, and you commit to God's church, and you grow up spiritually, and you use your gifts, you come to the point where it's go time, full circle, time to help others take that next step with God, time to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us. And we're going to look at what that, um, how Jesus did that by Starting with a couple of verses when Jesus began his ministry. You know, Jesus was relatively unknown. For 30 years, he lived his life in a quiet little town. And then when he turned 30, which was uh, purposeful because the age 30 is when a a priest, a Jewish person, could become a priest. He's our high priest that we see in Hebrews. So Jesus... At age 30, begins his ministry, and he calls 12 men to follow him, to join him. And if we look at the first verse in John 1, verses 45 and 46, Philip found Nathanael. These were two of the disciples. And Philip said to Nathanael, hey, we found him on whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote about. We found the Messiah he's talking about, the the Savior, the, the coming, the anointed one. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael sarcastically said, because Nazareth wasn't a very well-known town, it was the ghetto, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip just simply said, come and see. Come and see for yourself about Jesus. Then my favorite verse, Matthew 4 19, I'll read to you 18 first. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We had a great men's breakfast yesterday. We had over 30 men come together, hear testimony, have good food, hear a teaching, and very encouraging. We'll continue to do that. Um, Every month. But uh, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, Jesus told those disciples. Boys, you want to live a life of purpose? You've got to follow me. And they did. They did. For three and a half years, they followed Jesus. They learned from him. And then he died on the cross. And then he was resurrected. Came to life. They saw him. He appeared to many. And then before he went back to heaven to be with his father... He gave some more instructions to his disciples. And he says this in Acts 1.8. Hold on, don't get ahead of yourself. Peter liked to get ahead of himself a little bit. He said, when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. All over the world, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me. You're going to explain the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Then in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said these words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things I've commanded. And behold, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end of the age. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, go and make disciples. Go time. It's go time. And I... I'm thankful that those 12 men did that. They they did that. 12 apostles went and shared the gospel in Jerusalem, and then they spread out all over the world. Because if they didn't, we wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be gathered in this church today, singing songs, worshiping Jesus, if it wasn't for those disciples. So praise God they endured to the end. May we all continue to do that. And how do we do that? What does it look like? How are we to be a witness? How are we to continue to go and make disciples? Well, I come to you this morning with a simple, practical message. It starts with our children. I know when we think of witnessing, we think of evangelism, and then our minds sometimes go directly to the street, and we think, oh, I'm supposed to go stand on the corner of Ten Mile and Harper, tell people about Jesus that walk by. Tackle them if they try to get away. You're gonna love Jesus. Well, you might try that, but uh, the police might come. It's easier if you start with the children that you know. Start with children that you know, the little ones. Share the truths with them. We do this. That's happening right now downstairs. We have a teacher that's sharing with them for 30 minutes. But you know what? There's 10,050 minutes more throughout the week. What are they learning in those other times? Many of those minutes, they're learning from you. Their family, their parents, their godparents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins, they're learning from you. And I'll be honest with you, I'm always encouraged when I hear a person get to the point of where they want to be baptized, because the baptism should happen after a person makes a profession of their faith, it's a celebration that that uh, that that God has done a work in them, and that's why we practice what we what we do, I would say believers' baptism. You believe it's not something um, that somebody does for you. You you are doing it as a celebration of uh, an outward expression of an inward reality. Well, I'm always encouraged when someone comes up here and shares their testimony, their story of becoming a Christian, Aiden. Uh, was one of those ones who, who shared specifically that it was his grandpa that helped him know the Lord, that helped him guide him. And when a family member is instrumental in our salvation, it's exciting, and it happens all the time. You know, my grandma took me to church. My grandpa was a deacon. My aunt took us to VBS. My mom was upon the prayer team. My dad was a pastor. Family members leading children to the Lord. I love to hear that. I love it. Children are always watching. They're always learning. They're like sponges, aren't they? Soaking it all in. And they're often easily influenced, especially by their friends. That could be good. That can be bad. Fortunately, as Brandon mentioned, there's a lot of darkness in our world today. There's a lot of confusion in our world today. Imagine a fourth-grade girl has for her best friend, Holly, And then one day, at school, Holly says, no, you should call me Henry now. I'm not a girl anymore, I'm a boy. Well, that's confusing, isn't it? Confusing times for children. They need light to penetrate the darkness. They need truth to defeat lies. They need love to overcome hate. And where will children see the light, hear the truth, and experience this love? I hope to God it's from our church. From Christians being witnesses to children. And here's a simple way to do it read the Bible to them. Read the Bible to the children that you know in your life. Because more and more our culture is becoming Bible illiterate. People do not know the truths of God's Word. And the only way we can change this is if we read the Bible to our children. Tell them the amazing stories that are in the Bible. And help it become their favorite stories. Help them get excited about verses in the Bible. When Ethan, my son, who's 15 now, when he was little, he loved Psalm 122, verse 1. What does it say? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But he didn't say let us go. He said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And he was excited about that verse. And we should be excited to tell our children about verses like that and about stories in the Bible that are are great, that are wonderful, that, that glorify God. So parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, tell Bible stories as often as you can. Give our children a rock to stand on when we live in a culture of shifting sand. Think about that. They need truth, like absolute truth, not truth that keeps on changing. And make sure that you tell them your story, because your story is part of his story for his glory. Share your story. Every chance you get, even if it's just a little slice of life, as we call it here, share your testimony. That's how you can witness to children. It's go time. Go and make disciples of the little ones you know. Teach them to follow Jesus. And it begins, like today, with a baby dedication. Committing as parents to raise up your children in a godly home, in a Bible-teaching church. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go. Because even when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's so important, that we do that for our little children. Amen? Amen. Alright. Then they become teenagers and young adults. Oh, boy. How do we witness to our teenagers? Many days it seems like they live on the dark side of the moon. You know, there's no communication on the dark side of the moon. That sound about right? Parents of teenagers? Yeah. Their eyes are always glued to their phones. Their lives are all about their friends. Whose also eyes are glued to their phone? Sometimes I wonder, how do they even communicate? Oh, Snapchat. That's how they communicate. They're next to each other, but they don't talk to each other. They just snap each other back and forth. Am I right? Sorry, I'm just poking fun. One of my teens is laughing over here. The other one's mad at me now. so. So how do you witness to young adults, to teens? How do you get through to them the truths of God? How do you let them know that Jesus does love them? That's way more important than having a million followers on TikTok. How do you get through to them? Well, I'm not an expert, but I did teach high school for 16 years, and I have coached teenagers for almost 30 years, and I have two teenagers of my own. I'm not an expert, but I might know a little bit. If I could share with you just a little bit of knowledge, of helpful tips of how to communicate with teenagers, young adults. You can take what you want, as my mother says, and leave the rest. <laughs> but here's a little of what I know. They can smell hypocrisy like a shark smells blood in the water. So be real. Be real. Because if you aren't, they're going to attack you. If you're not genuine, they'll call you out or they'll shut down like the blue screen of death on the computer. <laughs> be real, man. Just be real. Be honest. Let them know you're a sinner. You're saved by grace alone. You're a work in progress. They don't need to see a perfect dad or a perfect mom or a perfect teacher or a perfect coach. They need to hear adults confess when they're wrong, when they sin. They need to see you go to the, go to the Lord for forgiveness. Because when they mess up, which is often, then they will know where to go. They'll go to our Father for forgiveness. And be restored. There's so many people that are losing hope. So many young people that don't have hope. They don't know where to go because they know they've messed up. We all do. We all fall short. So they got to see where to go. If I confess my sins, God is faithful and just and forgives us, doesn't he? He loves us and he purifies us. And he restores us. And that's what we need to give To our young people, hope, our high priest is waiting. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. I love it. Be real with them. And they'll be real with you. They will. Also, be intentional. Be intentional. I, I like teachable moments when they pop up. I try to take advantage of them. But I'm busy. You're busy. Teenagers, young people, they're even busier. So you need to be intentional. You need to set aside time to talk with them and, and help them uh, open up and talk with you. But you've got to prepare them. You can't just spring it on them. I've learned this. <laughs> you've got to let them know. Hey, listen, this evening after dinner, you know what, let's go for a walk. I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me when I was your age. Love to hear your take on it. You're preparing them. Okay, I gotta, I'm going to have to have this talk. <laughs> you know? Hey, this weekend, let's do a chapter in that, in that devotional book. Uh, I'm excited to do that with you again. You're preparing them. I think reading a book together on some topic is a great way to get young people to talk. When my daughter, who's now 18, was a little younger, we did a book together on dating. It was eight great dates with your dad. And it was awesome. We went out, we went on a date, we had this book that was our guide, and we talked, I, I'll recommend it to you, I, I, I recommend it all the time to people. But it gets, gets you talking about things, and um, that's important. We had fun, didn't we, Ellie? One important warning that I'm sure you've already figured out if you've been in contact with teenagers or tried to talk to teenagers, if you have your own, is that girls don't communicate the same as guys. <laughs> girls are often much more willing to share their feelings with the, uh, more, than, more so than guys, and it's because it's the way their brains are wired. This is, this is true. Um, the, the experts will tell you that uh, the reason why... Um, women communicate better than men is because their brains are just a little bit different. I mean, for girls, you can just ask them, hey, listen, how are you feeling about that? And then just sit back, grab the popcorn, and watch the show. (laughs) There might be an intermission, I don't know. (laughs) But guys, guys don't usually respond to, to a question like that. You know, how are you feeling? Uh. But if you tell them a story about a specific situation and then you ask them how you feel about that, now you might get somewhere. Here's a case in point. Remember when King David, in the Bible, committed adultery with Bathsheba? And then he had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed. And he got away with it technically because he was the king. But he didn't really get away with it Because God sent him a prophet named Nathan to reveal his heart. And how did he reveal his heart? How did the prophet Nathan reveal his heart? Well, he told him a story. He said, hey, King David, let me tell you a story of a rich man who had many lambs, many sheep. And then there was a poor man who only had one lamb. And when a traveler visited the rich man, he didn't take one of his many lambs. He took the only lamb from the poor man and he slaughtered it for the banquet. And when David heard that story, he was furious. Emotions came up in him, and he said, that's terrible. That rich man deserves to pay for what he did. And Nathan looked at him and said, you're that man. You took Uriah's wife, and you shouldn't have done that. And look what God has given you. You have the kingdom, but yet you had to take that. You have plenty, but you took his wife, And I tell you what, guys' hearts are best revealed through sharing stories like that. So be intentional with young people in your life. Um, You must take time out of the busyness of our world and uh, speak with them. Oftentimes I've discovered with uh, teenagers, it may seem like nothing you say gets through. (laughs) Nothing, right? Uh, But it does. Plant the seed. Water the seed. God makes it grow. In our church, we have a youth group here on Thursdays at 6. Dedicated teachers. Love them. Teach them. Encourage them. And now we have a young adult group, college age group, that meets twice a month on Mondays. Tomorrow they meet. And um, encourage young people to be a part of those groups. If you personally have a heart for young adults, then I suggest you adopt one. Not literally, that's expensive. <laughs> like a mentor. Be a mentor. You know, be a father to the fatherless. Be a mother to the motherless. Be, be someone who can be in their life and pray for them and encourage them. Maybe someday they'll stand up on the stage and say, I'm being baptized today because you were an important person in my life. Wouldn't that be spectacular? So let us be mentors. Let us be uh, pray. God, I'd love to mentor a young person. Who would you put in my life? If you pray that prayer and if you talk with me, we can work something out and uh, get you set up. Lastly, how do we make disciples of adults? How do we witness to adults? I've said here uh, at Life of Purpose before, we're like a hospital church. I'd like us to be like a hospital church, and that means we are a place where people can go for hope and for healing. When you go to the hospital, you go because you're hurting and you need healing. And uh, we offer spiritual healing here. It's not uh, uncommon for random times throughout the week for someone to show up here at the church in tears, um, hurting, in need of healing. Um, They're they're often just broken. Um, Their hearts are hemorrhaging. Their lives are turned upside down. Um, They hope God will comfort them and they're coming to the church for help, praise God. But who is the church? Who is the hands and feet of God? We are. And we need to be ready and willing to give them what they need. And sometimes it's just listening to their story and and maybe holding them and crying with them. And sometimes it's counseling, which we're preparing to raise up Bible counselors here. And maybe sometimes we point them in the direction of some professional help that they might need. But we need to be willing to do it. More than anything, They need faith and hope and love. And God promises those things to us. He helps us. I think one of the biggest lies that the devil likes to tell us, whispers in our ears, you're better off alone. That's a lie. Things would be so much better if everyone just leave me alone. You ever said those words before? Just leave me alone. We know from the Bible that the devil wants you to be alone because that's when he does his best work. That's when he tempts you and, and, and to, fo- to focus on him or yourself and forget about God. In fact, that's how the first sin happened. Eve was alone. The devil came to her. Oh, you'd be much better off if you just ate from that tree that God said don't eat from. Don't listen. Oh, no, that's not what God really said. Twisting the words of God. She believed it. So perhaps we as Christians should be looking to help those that are alone. Maybe you can be a witness to someone that you know, recognize. Oh, they're they're all by themselves. Why are they all by themselves? I know sometimes people, it it looks like they they like it, that they have this, this wonderful life, that they're all by themselves, but God didn't create us to be alone. In fact, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God in relationship with himself. He created us to be in relationships. You might realize when you read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul didn't even like being alone. He'd write those letters to the churches. Bring Timothy. Bring Mark. I don't want to be alone. I like doing ministry with others. Even John the baptizer, that weird guy that ate locusts and honey, dressed like Elijah, lived in the desert, he had disciples. He wasn't alone. Most people that are all alone don't really want to be alone. They know life would be better with others, but they're just probably a little bit afraid of getting hurt again. Sometimes we do that. We keep, we keep uh, arm's distance, right, because we don't want to get hurt again. But God says, do it. Love them. Value them. They don't, they don't want to be alone, really. Be friends with them. Listen to their story. Share your story. Invite them into God's church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 tells us that if one member suffers... And we all suffer together. And if one member rejoices, we all rejoice together. Amen? I'd like to point this out lastly. You know who you can witness to? Everybody. Children, teens, adults. But I want to point this out to you. You should never think of witnessing as something you have to do. I've heard that so many times. Christians will say, oh, it's just not my spiritual gift to witness to others. Baloney. Baloney. Don't don't believe that for one second. And don't feel like this is something that you have to do or, oh, um, I'm going to leave that up to you, Pastor. You're the professional. You do it. No. Don't think of it like that. And here's how I can help you not think of it that way anymore. You are extending an invitation to the greatest wedding of all time. You've been to a lot of parties in your life, I'm sure. But this is one party like you've never experienced before. And you have the invitation to that party. This year, I, I got to um, officiate a lot of weddings. This was a busy wedding season for me. I see um, here today as one of the couples that just got married. Um, I enjoy so much um, sharing with a bride and groom um, the gospel and what it means to have a Christian marriage uh, i always talk at the ceremony about a a christian covenant marriage not a contract and in fact I, at one wedding this year um, a lady came up to me and said you know i've been to weddings it's been years since i heard anyone talk about what a christian marriage is that's what i do <laughs> that's that's my witness I'm, I'm sharing the gospel and i'm sharing what i believe is right and weddings are often in beautiful places aren't they they I was at a wedding that was in a greenhouse and an atrium. Um, My favorite one is the one that's on the water. Uh, And I'm not saying that just because they're here and their wedding was on the water. (laughs) It's because I love the fish and I like being there. And, you know, I was a little distracted at the dinner rehearsal looking for fish along the (laughs) seawall. Where are they? Uh, But we got through it. but yeah, we were all over. I, I, I did one on a far, out, out by a, on a farm in a, um, next to a barn and Memorial Park and a golf course. And all of them were beautiful, and they had wonderful receptions and speeches and food and drinks and dancing and all of that. And I'm sure the bride and groom would say it was their favorite party they ever have thrown. Would you say that? Um, when, you, when you threw your party, yeah. Most expensive, no doubt, right? But as great as all those weddings are and as beautiful as those locations are, none can compare to the greatest wedding that's coming. It's the greatest wedding of all time, coming soon to a new place near you. Revelation 19, 7-9. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. That fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to this wedding. Revelation 21:2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Folks, this is what's to come. This wedding is, is going to take place. The greatest wedding of all time. And if you have an invitation to this wedding, then you should be inviting others to this wedding. That's a privilege. That's not a thing that, oh, I guess I, don't, I, guess I have to. Evangel, I guess I have to be a witness. No, this is something that you should want to do, be encouraged to do. Hey, I'm going to this wedding. Don't you want to come with me? This is awesome. Amen. We're excited. I mean, this is way better than than, than a ticket to the Lions game on the 50-yard line. Finally, a year I can say that and people will be excited about going to a Lions game. Been drinking that... Honolulu Blue Kool Aid for a long time. But this is better than Taylor Swift concert tickets. This is better than any um, show on Broadway. This is an invitation to the best wedding ever. And it's a wedding that never ends. It's it's, it's It's a picture of heaven, folks. It's a picture of heaven, of eternity. Where will you spend eternity? I'm going to that wedding, and I want all of you to come with me. That was Brandon's cry this morning, earlier. Let's go to this wedding together. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the the invitation, the gospel. Amen? Yes. Friends, it's go time. It's go time. It's time to help others. Go and be a disciple and spend eternity in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. While we were still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Father, as we praise your name today, as we hear about this wedding that's to come, Father, let us encourage others to surrender it to you. Can only imagine what it will be like. Can only imagine. We get a glimpse here in Revelation, but it's going to be so amazing. May we keep on inviting others. May we keep making disciples until you come back. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 Let's.